I've often thought of this, like, I'm never nervous until about, like, a week before or, like, the day before or when I'm on the plane and all of a sudden I'm like, why am I doing this? And why do I do this to myself? Why do I, like, uproot myself and throw myself on planes and, like, into foreign countries where I don't speak the language? Like, why, why would I do that? Go. Amazing. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Where to Go Next. I am Gap and today we have our friend um, Leilani Stacy on the phone. Um, so Leigh, why don't you start off by introducing yourself? Sure. Thanks Gabby for having me and I'm so excited to be here with you virtually. So my name is Leilani. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I'm currently in New Jersey quarantining with my partner Kier. But I guess I have a question for you Okay. that maybe I'll ask you yes, first and please. then you can ask it back because I just want to get started and I'm so curious. Um, so the question I had for you, because you named this like, where do you go next? But I'm really curious about where you come from, like what that means in all senses, like where's your family from? Where are you from? Where have you been? Where are you now? And eventually we'll get to where you're going. But yeah, okay. I'd just love to hear you talk about yourself. Yeah. So our listeners can learn more about you. Okay, so FYI, um, for our listeners out there, this is our fourth time recording. Uh, actually, this is the same question that Leigh and I have prepared for each other. And I personally think it's a great question to ask because I often struggle with answering where I am from. But um, I guess I will outline my trajectory a little bit. I grew up in Beijing, uh, born and raised there, and moved to the States when I was 18 years old. I spent two years in um, Ohio, middle of nowhere, and I felt like that was not the right place for me to be. Uh, wait, I thought you told this. I did not know that about you. Well, I mean, like, I went to Oberlin, and then I... Oh, right. I always forget that. I know. <laughs> and then I transferred to Wellesley College that's uh, outside Boston. And now I'm living in Cambridge and working as a, as a software engineer in the area. But um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to call out that part of me also dropped in South Africa. I don't know what's a better way to describe it, but I had a really life-changing experience there, so I think part of me will always be in Cape Town. Yeah. Yeah. I You'll have to tell me more about that sometime. Yeah, I will. <laughs> um, so what about you, Leigh? Where are you from? And um, yeah, just tell us about you. Yeah, I can give you the whole rundown. <laughs> so usually my spiel goes something like this. Um, I was born in Southern California, but grew up in Hawaii on the Big Island, so Hawaii, Hawaii. Since then, I've lived in 10 states now, I think, something like that. I would say right outside of D.C. and Maryland is where I went to middle and high school, so that's the longest I've ever been somewhere and like definitely grew some deep roots there just in terms of like friendship and memories. Um, but I've been in the greater Boston area going to Wellesley and then living in Cambridge this year for on and off about six years now. Um, so definitely another important stage of my life, um, though it was interrupted by two little jaunts across the pond um, to Europe. First, um, when I was studying abroad at the London School of Economics in London, and then last year when I was doing a Fulbright scholarship in Portugal. So yeah, those are different times. 
For some reason, for the longest time, I thought you studied abroad in Portugal first, and then that's why you went back. <laughs> well, that is true. I spent a summer there after my first year at Wellesley, but then I spent like a whole year abroad in London. So it was like Portugal, London, gotcha. back to Portugal. So you started learning Portugal when you were like a first year at Wellesley. Yeah, I learned Portuguese as a first year at Wellesley. So, so how do you? Pick the language. I guess it's like a requirement to learn a new thing, but also you could have tested out with Spanish. Yeah, I could have tested out because I'd taken Spanish for seven years. But I don't know. I just really love languages, and I came into Wellesley thinking like maybe I'll take Chinese, which in hindsight would have been great. And now I'm just trying to catch up by living in your <laughs> house. Um, You're not but... catching up as someone who speaks <laughs> three languages at least. Come on. Well, I'm catching up on Chinese at least. So、okay. yeah, so I'd taken Spanish for a while, and I was like coming into my first year, and some upper class woman was like, "Take Portuguese. The professor is new. He's so sweet. He gives you pastries." And I was like, "Okay, sign me up." And sure enough, like Antonio is one of the kindest souls I've ever met. And definitely like helped me get that internship that summer, and like pushed me to apply for a Fulbright. So I'm just super grateful that I like sort of went out on a on a limb.、Mm-hmm. And Portuguese has turned out to be like relatively useful. I would love to go to Brazil one day, but yeah, it just sort of led me to places I like never could have imagined. Like I knew I wanted to travel when I was growing up, but I don't think I would have been able to like point Portugal out on a map, or at least like not. No, like I didn't know what the culture was like or what it would be like to live there、right. at all. So you, it's really interesting that you said like growing up, you know that you want to travel a lot. Like, was that because your family was moving around, or was it like? Do you think it's more of a personality thing? That's such a good question. I feel like yeah, I feel like when I was a kid, I had this. I think growing up on an island, in some ways. So I, this is how I describe it because when people. Know or like learn that I grew up in Hawaii. They're like, "Wow, that's amazing!" Like, wasn't it a dream? And I was like, "I don't know." When you're ten, and this is the only world you've ever known, like you don't know that other people don't wake up and like see the ocean from their window. You know, like that's just what you're used to. And so I think like not like I had a great, happy childhood. Was super fortunate. Um, but I also like you know had homework and went to school and things like that. And and when I was about ten is right around when we moved. And at that point, I like really wanted to do gymnastics, but gymnastics was an hour away because everything's an hour away on the island. And、yeah. <laughs> my mom was like, "I'm not gonna drive two hours every day so you can go to practice for like two hours.、Yeah. Like that's just not gonna happen." So I was really angry and. And my class was also my grade, and it was only fourteen people, and there were four other girls in my grade, and I was sort of a loser to be honest, and had no friends. And、mm. so when my dad was like, "Oh, we're gonna move," I was like, "This is the best thing that's ever happened to me." And definitely looking back, like I was definitely sad, and maybe excitement was just a way of sort of like getting over that fear of moving. But I think in general, like as a kid, I had this idea of travel as an abstract thing, not so much like what I later learned to be. Travel is sort of like a lot more mundane than you expect it to be. Like I feel like if you're traveling for a vacation or you end up living somewhere else, like really the most magical and also sometimes like the most like panic-inducing things are like getting on a bus or like trying to figure out how to open a bank account or like these things that at ten years old I like clearly had no idea would like comprise my life and not solely eating pastries or. Whatever, whatever, like other frivolous things I thought that involved, but I guess like 
that's the beauty of it. It sort of involves both in, like, ways I couldn't have expected. I, I think, okay, I have um, two questions and one comment that I wanted to share. So I'm going to throw my comments out first. It was really interesting to hear you say that you kind of feel like because growing up, you move around. So that's why, like, it has always sort of been this case that you move around. So it feels a little bit natural that you're moving around right now. But I feel like for me, it was... You know, like, I spent my 18 years in Beijing, and I was, like, totally happy, and um, when I was talking to a friend earlier, I felt like 18-year-old Gab was, like, so sure of who she is, and, well, who she is at the time, and what she wants, but right now, I feel like I am, like, that sort of confidence was totally just wiped out by wow. these past few years and I, I'm not sure about who I am anymore and what mm. I want anymore or I guess like I'm sort of in this discovery phase where I I don't think my identity or my cultural identity is as static as before like it's more fluid right now um, so I guess my question for you is do you think that your identity um, of a self or who you are is a very fluid concept and how would you define home? Do you also think that home is a very fluid concept? And do you think that your definition of those two are attached to each other for some reason or there's a connection between the two definitions or there's not really that much? Hmm, so I think about this a lot for a number of reasons and I can sort of like throw them out to you. Um, I guess the first is that like I have a mixed background, like not just in terms of where I've lived, but my mom is half Japanese and grew up in Hawaii and my dad is white um, and grew up in California, like has ancestors going back to like the American Revolution. So I think like even growing up, subconsciously and definitely like through high school and college there was a development of like identity that is still going on in terms of like racial identity and like what it means to be american like how i'm perceived as an individual um and like what my role is in like being parts of or like working to undo systems of oppression um so i think something though that i like has been helpful in terms of thinking about identity and also about home is like understanding that so much of both of those Mm. are constructed and also collective like i think there's so much pressure particularly like in western and american societies to say like i am a mixed woman who is queer identifying and blah 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 and like I have xyz labels and I fit into xyz categories and I think like for me that's never been the case like I never felt like I could go sit with like the Asian group in the cafeteria or just like the white Jewish group like those were like neither of those were my people but you're Jewish um, <laughs> I'm not Jewish but like I like I couldn't sit with like the preppy kids because like uh, they were like white and Jewish and like I also couldn't sit with like the Asian crew because like eh don't really yeah. like identify yeah, with them you're not, like, 100% full Asian. Yeah. right and like culturally I also don't have like super strong ties to my Japanese heritage because my grandma heard the bombs fall on Pearl, Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. and so like they burned a lot of Japanese books and kimonos so 
Like, there's a reason why that wasn't passed down to me, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately. And that's something, like, I'm trying to work on now. Um, But my grandma's 92 now. 92 the other day. Um, So, I guess, like, I think that identity and home, like, increasingly um, can be temporary. And I think I used to think that was, like... A terrible thing and sometimes I still feel like I am like struggling um, and like waddling around in this like water like trying to find something to hold on to um, but I also think that like being too rigid is not super helpful for myself or necessarily for anyone else like I think it's really like it's easier for me now to just say like I come from these places and all of these places have made me who I am and I come from all of these people I come from my grandma who like heard the bombs fall in Pearl Harbor and I come from my mom who grew up on an island and I come from my dad um who has now passed away and I you know like I and now I surround my people with myself with people who are like this and who like share similar values or maybe don't um I think like that can be really helpful just again in like making myself feel comfortable in like who I am, where I'm situated and also like what I can call home Mm. at a given place in time. I really relate to the feeling of trying to hold on to something, I guess, especially during quarantine. So um, I went back home during, well, actually before the outbreak and was just planning to stay for a week. So I got back and decided to, you know, self-quarantine for two weeks. Um, and then, like, during that first week, I was just feeling so lonely. Like, I, like everyone at home was quarantined, and everyone here was acting like normal, because it actually wasn't, like, the time where it got hit here. And then I, like, I've been going through so much this past few weeks where I felt like I, well, initially, at least, I don't, no, I feel like a lot of the things that I believed growing up about, you know, Beijing, about China was was just tearing down by facts. Um, and I can't talk to people back home because, or I guess I can, but it's just like, I don't know, I feel like I'm away from them. So I'm not in solid in a way and I mm. definitely had this guilt where it's similar to like a survivor's guilt and that I feel like I escaped and had the chance of being somewhere else when everyone else right. was you know in this together but at the same time yeah. I feel like people here wouldn't necessarily understand because they just didn't feel like it was it was something that they should be worried about right yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think just like Whenever I find myself in a place, in somewhere new or in a temporary home, I think about these questions a lot. And mm-hmm. I, I think as I grow older, I tend to embrace that, I guess, because I've stepped out, because it was a past choice that I couldn't revert I somehow have to just embrace that I will just keep you know trying to find my place within this intersection and yeah of these past experiences yeah 
I think that's super interesting that you talk about like the survivor's guilt and also like existing within like these past experiences or not. Like, and I'm curious, this is not a question I had planned for you, um, Mm. but just like a question I have in general is like, how do you sort of like reconcile like your past self and like past selves and like who you are currently? Like, do you, like, mm-hmm. what sort of emotions does that bring up, like, when you think about, like, who you were, maybe at 18 you're comparing to, because I know your birthday is coming up, like, 23, and, like, maybe this is also sort of, like, looking ahead, like, where you want to go, like, do you think 18-year-old you, like, could have predicted where you are now, like, how would they feel about you, um, like, mm-hmm. do you feel drawn back to Beijing, or do you feel that, like, it's a part of you that, like, you could never reclaim, because, like, maybe you don't have the same, like, innocence or yeah I'm just like curious to Mm. see what you have to say about that that's a really good question I think um there as I you know I I think when I was 18 I sort of have some like minor sense of the self but I think I have more I think about who I am more um this past four or five years and I look back and realize that part of me has never changed. Like, I, I, when people ask me, so why do you come to school in the States? And I think about it, and I was like, I think 18-year-old me just felt like if I stay in Beijing or, like, go to universities there, my future was really predictable, and that just seems really boring to me. Like, there's nothing much to look forward to. So, so that's why I sort of step out of my comfort zone quote-unquote home and came here and I think 23 year old me still want to see what's out there because I know that there's a lot out there and it's actually one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast it's like I I know that I'm just in this tiny little bubble but but I want to you know break out of it there's just this urge from me that I cannot resist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but I think I'm maybe a little bit more mature, or like I think maybe I'm a little bit less static compared to 18 year old myself. Like I, I think having, of course, like 18 year old me want to be happy. I think that is what I pursue, and like. Um, that is what I want, but now I think I would add freedom in addition to happy and even truth which like freedom and happy uh, freedom it's something that I cannot define but I can feel that I feel free at certain points and I think truth is even a vague um, like even a more um, vague concept to me but there are parts where I feel like oh things that I couldn't figure out just click and I felt really happy just mm-hmm. happiness that I wouldn't get you know somewhere else yeah I love that That's so interesting <laughs> yeah okay well I feel like we're we're sort, sort of, of running out of on our yeah <laughs> yeah running out of our time but okay rapid fire last question that I had wanted to ask which is just like a fun silly question what is the best meal or dish you've eaten since, like, you've, like, been abroad? So I guess, like, that's in America. And I don't know if you have a good answer for this because, like, I don't know that I love food here, but, like, I'm curious <laughs> yeah. as to, like, it can be the best meal or dish or, like, experience you've had eating. Honestly, I think the best food 
that I've had on top of my head is hala. Like I've never had hala before, <laughs> but I literally went to Whole Foods just now, just buying like a whole loaf of hala for myself for breakfast. And yeah, I, I think it's great. I think just like in general, <laughs> bread and like cookies and stuff are amazing. Yeah. What a good note to end on. I know. Um, I don't know how we just go off tangent like this, but it was so like <laughs> such a great talk, and I still have the entire Portugal section of questions that I didn't ask you. It's okay. We'll get to them, and like maybe we'll just randomly fire questions at other guests on the show too. I think that would be fun. All right, friends. That's a wrap to today's episode. May and I really enjoy our conversations, and we hope you enjoyed it as well. Hope you have a great one, and talk to you soon. Bye bye. Everyone, this is Gab, and I want to share、uh, some thoughts on the question that Lei asked me that night, which is, "How do you reconcile with your past self?" I answered terribly, in my opinion, that night because I just really didn't know how to answer this question. And I think that was such a great question because it was something that I have been struggling for the past two years. I didn't know how to reconcile my nature as an adventurer and rationality, and I also realized that one feeling that I've been having is—I wouldn't say hatred, but I couldn't forgive myself for throwing myself under the bus. Or rather, I experienced some accidents, some very unpleasant trauma, and I blame myself for those things that happened to me.、Um, Lay's question made me realize that I didn't have a closure of some trauma that I've had. But the good thing is, I can work on forgiving myself. I can work on keep telling myself that it was not my mistake, or rather, just see it as a mistake and learn from it and move on. Because if you think about life as a journey of learning. The mistakes will happen inevitably, and the best that you can do is probably just to take whatever lesson that you learned in the past and try not to make the same mistakes again. All right,、uh, that's it, and thank you so much for listening. Bye bye.